Hey, Seacoast, we're glad you're here this weekend, and I want to take just a second and welcome those of you who are joining us from an off-site campus or maybe on the internet. It's going to be a, a, just a great time. You know, we're in a series called Legacy, where we're talking about, you know, where we are and where we want to be, and we've applied that individually, and this week we want to apply it as a church. You know, one of the legacies that we want to leave is to be a church that plants churches. Uh, we believe that every community needs multiple life-giving churches. Would you agree with that? And so um, we created the ark a few years ago, and as of this weekend, uh, together we have planted 774 life-giving churches. Now, some of those were churches that came directly out of Seacoast. In other words, our staff some of our staff went and planted churches. And this weekend, we've asked several of them to come back. We asked many of them. Some of them didn't, couldn't fit it in their schedule. But uh, for this service, I want to introduce you to Randy Bazet. Randy was church plant number four in the ark in Bradenton, Sarasota, Florida. He was on our staff. Uh, he and his wife, Amy, and they went and planted the church. And it's grown to be one of the largest churches in Florida. It's just an incredible, incredible place. God's doing some cool things. And uh, you're going to enjoy the next few minutes as Randy comes and shares the word. So would you give a great big Seacoast welcome to Randy Bazette as he comes? Well, what's happening, Seacoast? I am so excited to be with you guys this weekend. Uh, it truly is an honor, and it truly is a privilege. I just want you to know, first and foremost, how much I love your pastors, Greg and Debbie, your founding pastors there, and just the influence they've had in my life. I pastor Bayside Community Church here in Florida, and I promise you I would not be here if it were not for the investment of them. You're in the middle of a series right now, and it's called Legacy. And I wouldn't be living the legacy that I'm living if it were not for them. Greg, Debbie, I love you so much. I really, I'm so thankful. And I just believe with all my heart that I just would never have accomplished all that I have without you. And I think it's interesting that you guys are doing a series on legacy because the church that you're in has an incredible legacy. You know, I'm thinking of how Greg and Debbie started this church. Now Josh and Lisa are leading the church as well. I think of all their kids and just serving in ministry. What an incredible legacy seacoast that you have. You ought to be thankful for your pastors and for your church. I know that I truly am. I'm going to be talking today about how to live your spiritual legacy. And I, what an awesome topic this is because I think at the end of it, it, when our life is all said and done, if there's one thing, right, that we all want to accomplish, we want to have accomplished something great spiritually. Isn't that right? And so I know it is in my heart, and so I'm loving the idea that I get to share this with you today. You know, so not long ago, I had one of my kids, and they turned 18 years old. And so I asked them, I said, look, when you're turning 18, what do you want to do for your birthday? You know, you kind of like passing the manhood. What do you want to do? And he answered me almost without thought. He's like, I want to go skydiving. And I thought, well, I mean, there's a lot of things I was wondering if he was going to ask. But I didn't know it was going to be that. And I said, okay, well, all right. So I started researching in the Tampa area for a reputable skydiving company. Now, if you think about this, all right, think about this for a moment. Reputable skydiving. 
if you have a bad experience skydiving, how do you write a bad review? <laughs> That's so funny. There's no way to do that, right? But I did some research anyway, and I found a place that had really good reviews, right? And so uh, we're going up there to go skydiving. So on that day, right, when we're driving up there, we're driving up, and I was like, son, you excited? He goes, yeah, dad, I'm so glad you're doing this with me. I'm like, no, I didn't say, what are we doing for your birthday? What are you doing? I mean, I got a lot to live for. You know, you're young and dumb, you know. It don't matter to me what you do, right? So... He says, Dad, no, let's do it. I gave in to peer pressure. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So we show up and we go to this room and we watch it like an eight-minute video. So I know everything there is to know now about skydiving, okay? So I feel totally confident. That's not true at all. I was, I was very nervous about this. So we're going to tandem jump. So that means they attach you to somebody really close. Like it's awkward. Some of you don't even know. And he's like, he's like right there. So I'm like, hey, you need a Tic Tac, okay? You know? <laughs> they do. They attach us to this person. We get on the plane and we're going up. And, and we go really high. 13,000 feet. That's a lot. That's, that's, you know, when you're on a commercial airline, you know, and they're taking off and they finally, the bell ring, ding. You are free now to move about the cabin. Okay, that's only 10,000 feet. You still have 3,000 more feet, so we are way above the clouds. And we get to the edge of the plane, and he goes, all right, we're going to jump. And I didn't really want to jump. And he goes, so we're going to jump on three. So one, two, and we jumped on two. We jumped on two, man. My life is in the hands of somebody who can't count to three. Are you kidding me, man? So anyway, so we jumped and I thought it was going to be really scary, but it actually was so much fun. It felt like we were flying and he would move his hands certain ways and we'd spin and do flips and, and I was just like, man, this is the most fun I've ever had. And Jordan and my son were all like, yeah, this is awesome. And then I would have moments of sanity. I'd be like, hey, this could go bad really quickly, Right. And I thought, well, if I'm going to die in a couple of minutes, I may as well enjoy the last couple of minutes. So I was like, yeah, this is so much fun. And it feels like you're flying, although you're falling at 120 miles per hour. I mean, death is rapidly approaching, but you don't know it because of perspective. That'll preach a whole message right there. Perspective matters on everything, right? And so... I know you're probably wondering, but he pulled the chute and it opened up. Okay, so I, I didn't have to write a bad review. So we are gliding down and Jordan and I, my son, we're just like, man, this is so much fun. And then we landed and I was like, I want to go do this again. It was so much fun. Now think about it. Just a few minutes earlier, I was scared to death. I wanted to have nothing to do with skydiving. And now I was willing to do it again. And it had a lot to do with the person that I was connected with. I want to talk to you about living your spiritual legacy. And it has everything to do with who you're connected with. You see, look at this verse. You should have gotten some handout notes today when you showed up to church. And I want you to, to look at this verse in Acts chapter 4. We're going to study a couple of verses here. But let me set up what's happening here, okay? So in Acts chapter 4, we are approximately 50 days 
after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the disciples are standing before, Peter and John is who we're looking at, they're standing before the leaders of the nation of Israel. Now what you have to realize that these leaders that they're standing in front of are their very people that 50 days earlier murdered Jesus, right? And they're standing there before them. And let's take a look at this verse. And it says, when they, those people that had just killed Jesus, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, it says they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, I think it's interesting when you read this verse that these guys were full of this courage, right? All of a sudden, now they were empowered with courage to live their spiritual legacy even though they were just ordinary, unschooled people. In your notes, would you circle that word ordinary? That word ordinary, the English word, is the Greek word. If you go to study the original language of New Testament, it's the Greek word idiotes, which is where we get the word idiot from, right? They were just normal idiots. How many of you, come on, Seacoast, all you can. How many of you are idiots? You feel like you could just do something great now. All right, probably everybody, I know you didn't raise your hand. But how many of you sit next to somebody that's an idiot that you know God can use them now? Okay, all right. So here's the deal. God can take ordinary idiots, people that are not that highly qualified, and can do incredible things with them. He can have them live their spiritual legacy and it has everything to do with who you're connected with. So I want to teach you today about how to live this spiritual legacy. And the first thing that we can glean from this verse is that I must have a recognizable relationship with Christ. So back in Acts 4, 13, I want to point out a couple other things. It says they saw the courage of Peter and John, right? They realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. And they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I want you to, I want you to circle there in your notes that they, they took note. That means that they recognized. So what happened is, as Peter and John are standing before these people that had murdered Jesus, it says they took note. It means they recognized. They went, hey, there's something about these guys that reminds me of Jesus. Now, wouldn't you guys agree that that is the essence of Christianity? That people should look at us and they should go, there's something different about them. They don't live like the rest of the world, right? Aren't we supposed to be different? Aren't we supposed to be people that don't live like the rest of the world? But people look at us and they go, I don't know what it is, but there's something about them. Hey, when I look at them, they look a lot like Jesus. Come on, that's what Christianity is supposed to be about. But let's be honest, right? There are a lot of times when people look at us and they don't recognize Jesus. They look at our lives and they see things that probably would turn them off from Christianity. I know what happened to me. It wasn't long ago. I was, I was running late for church and it was on Saturday night. I'd been at this event all day and didn't get to eat. And I was hungry and I was passing by the Christian chicken place. Come on, everybody know the Christian chicken place? Come on, come on, we got Chick-fil-A. Y'all know we gonna have that stuff in heaven. Ain't gonna be closed on Sundays. What? Yeah, it's gonna be awesome, right? Manna every day in heaven. All right. I was passing by the Chick-fil-A, the Christian chicken place, and I just, I had to get something to eat. So like always, as I pull in, 
there's a line, drive-through line, all the way around the building. But man, I already got my mindset on Chick-fil-A, right? So, so I pull in the line, and I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, and it's taking forever. And I'm in a hurry because I had to get to church, and the line's just slowly moving up. And look, it happens. I am almost at that spot. I'm just about to get to the place where you order. And some car pulls in off the road, out of the street, and is going to try to come and cut in line in front of me. Oh, no, you ain't. It ain't happening. I got holy things to do. I'm in a hurry. You got to get in the back of the line like everybody else, right? And so they pull really close. So what do I do? I pull even closer. You ever communicated with your car before, right? They pull up, you pull up. You like you saying, hey, dude, it ain't happening. Get to the back of the line, man. So we got this thing going. Well, he's in a car. He's got the top down. He's in a convertible. And he's got a buddy, and he's talking, man, you bleed this guy, he ain't talking. And I don't have anybody with me. I'm in the car by myself. I'm like, what, man? You, you don't know. I don't have anybody to talk to. I'm just trying to be cool, you know. And, and sure enough, as we get so close, like our cars are about to touch, he reaches in the back seat of his car. I think he's going for a piece. It's like, it's going down to Chick-fil-A, bro. You don't know. I'm from Louisiana, bro. Louisiana Mafia. I will bury you in a bayou somewhere. They'll never find you, Jack. You don't even know, bro. And so seriously, I think it's going in. He's reaching in the backseat of the car, and I'm like, oh. And he pulls out a prosthetic leg. He says, look, man. I'm trying to get in a handicapped spot. I was like, oh, bro. I'm sorry. Well, now I'm full of pride. Come on, you guys, maybe you wouldn't be like this, but I'm full of pride. I need to, like, justify my actions. So I'm like, well, <laughs> dude, where's your handicap decal? How am I supposed to know? He said, it's a rental. So, man, it's just, it's going bad for me today, right? So I get out of my car and I turn to everybody in the line behind me. I act like I'm holy now. Like, can't you guys see the handicapped dude trying to get in his parking place, man? Come on, y'all back up, right? And Amy, my wife, is like two cars behind me. And she's so embarrassed, man. How I many you know I was an idiot that day, right? If that dude knew I was a Christian, knew I was a pastor, do you think he would want to have anything to do with Christianity? Man, there's no way, right? How many times in life do we represent Christ in a bad way? And we wonder why we're not living our spiritual legacy. Let me, let me just ask you a question. Come on, Seacoast. Think about this question. People outside of this church, the people that you know inside the context of Seacoast Church, people the rest of the world that you live in, when they look at your life, would they look at you and go, there's something about this person that reminds me of Jesus? based on the jokes that you laugh at, the jokes that you tell, the places you go, and where you spend your money, and the things that you do, would they look at your life and go, hey man, there's something about them that reminds me of Christ. Typically, it's the other way around. If there are people in America who don't wanna go to church and don't like Christians, it's because they had a bad connection with them. They had a bad encounter with them. So if we're going to live our spiritual legacy, we have to live our lives in such a way that people look at us and they go, there's something about them that reminds me of Jesus. So go back to your verse, right, in Acts chapter 4, that verse 13. And I want you to circle these next few words. 
It says, they took note and then circle the words, they had been with Jesus. Those three English words, had been with, is the Greek word S-Y-N. It's where we get our word sync. Think about when your phone gets an update or your tablet or whatever, your computer, and you have to update, you have to sync it so that you have the latest operating system. And if you don't do that, your computer, your phone, your tablet, whatever it is, it doesn't run optimally because it's not synced. You and I, if we're going to live our life, our spiritual legacy, then we have to make sure that we're synced up with God. That really means for us to become one. Now, here's the problem with most people and it comes to their relationship with God is that we oftentimes don't really go all in with God. I mean, we play Christianity. We maybe have a resemblance of Christianity, but we're not totally synced up with God. Look, we're good at coming to church and you get your notes and you take notes and you mark your Bible, but that's not what I'm talking about marking your Bible. The question is, is your Bible marking you? Is your Bible marking you so that when people look at you, they go, look, there's something about this person. There's something that is different than everybody else. They must be a Christ follower. You know what I think? Honestly, I think sometimes people try Christianity out. They kind of go halfway into this thing and they don't totally sync their lives up. I call it like a spiritual vaccination. You know, when you go on a missions trip or you go to a third world country, you go on, you know, I think you guys, I know you do a lot of missions work at Seacoast and I think you ought to go on a missions trip as well. Something about going and seeing how the rest of the world is really living, it'll just change your life. Talk about help you live your spiritual legacy, right? So when you go on a missions trip, you go see a doctor and you tell them what country you're going to and they give you vaccination shots, Right? And what they typically will do, if there are diseases that you could catch there, they give you a vaccination, which simply is a little bit of the disease so that your body builds up an immunity so you don't catch the real thing. I think we oftentimes, we get spiritual vaccinations. We get just a little bit of God where we never catch the whole thing. Well, I'm gonna start trying church out a little bit. I'm gonna try this whole God thing out a little bit. And we start coming to church or you got a financial issue and you throw a couple dollars in the bucket. I'm just gonna see if this stuff with God really works. And we just kind of get a spiritual vaccination and we don't totally sync our lives up with God. And you know what happens? We go, oh man, that God stuff, it doesn't work. That Jesus stuff, man, I tried and it doesn't work. And you know why? It's because you're not syncing your life totally up with God. You're just trying him out. Look, you got to go all in. It's like when you put creamer in your coffee and you stir it up, the two become one and you couldn't separate them anymore. It's time for you to go all in with God. It's time for you to sync yourself up with him. And when you do that, that is the first step to living your spiritual legacy. Seacoast, I hope you're getting this. It's time to go all in. And when you do that, that's the first step. Let me give you another word that I think is important for us to live our spiritual legacy. And if we're gonna live our spiritual legacy, then we have to surrender to the Holy Spirit. All right, so back in Acts chapter four, here's what's going on, right? It's 50 days after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. It's like they're on their way to church. And they see this crippled guy and he's begging for money. 
And they go, look, we don't have any money, but what we have, we'll give you. And they pray for him in Jesus' name. And they say, get up and walk and you'll be healed. And he does. Okay, so now there's this huge panic in Jerusalem because Jesus, whom they killed, now is being talked about in the streets again. And that's why they brought in Peter and John. And they're standing before those people and they're having this conversation like, they're asking like Peter and John, what in the world are you doing? We just killed Jesus. We need you to stop talking about him. Now here we are back in Acts. It says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to an account today for an act of kindness that is shown to a cripple and then we're asked, how he was healed, then you know this, you and all the people of Israel, he gets kind of a little attitude, you see that, right? He goes, let me just tell you something, right? It is by the name of Jesus of Christ of Nazareth, the person that you crucified, but God raised him from the dead, that's how this man stands before you healed. Ha, huh? I think this is serious boldness coming from Peter. Now think about it, right? You remember Peter? 50 days earlier, he is a stinking coward, man. He's denying Jesus three times, right? In front of little kids. He won't even stand up for Jesus in front of kids. And now here he is 50 days later and he's standing with boldness and he's like, look, you killed Jesus, but I'm gonna tell you right now, he's alive again and that's how all this is happening. He's standing with boldness. And when I read this, I at least have to ask myself, what gives, right? What's the difference? 50 days early, you got some weak Christian, and now you have some guy with boldness who's standing before terrorists with his, with his shoulders back and his head up with complete courage. What's the difference? There's only one difference between Peter now and 50 days earlier. Would you circle it in your notes? Filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna tell you, this is the most important thing that you could hear today when it comes to living your spiritual legacy because those words fill with the Holy Spirit. It means to be accomplished and it means to be furnished. The only way to live your legacy is the Holy Spirit has to accomplish this in you. He's the one. He has to empower you to do this. You can't try it on your own. You will fail Miserably. It's a surrendered life to the Holy Spirit that helps you accomplish living your legacy. You know, I like to play golf. I know your pastor, Greg, he likes to play golf as well. I love it. I've been playing since I was three years old. Several years ago, I had a man in our church, and this man in our church, he, he was, uh, his company sponsored someone to play in a pro-am golf tournament, which is simply like the, the tournaments that you see on TV. They allow amateurs like you and I to play in those tournaments for two of the four days of the tournament. Well, his company sponsored someone to play this and, and he didn't play golf. He said, Randy, do you want to do it? I'm like, well, yeah, man, that's like a, a bucket list, man, to play golf on national TV. So I said, man, what I don't want to do is be terrible, right? I don't want to hack it around the golf course. So you know what I did is I started practicing. I went to the driving range and playing golf. Man, I was working so hard to make sure my golf game was really good. And the time for the tournament, it came. And you gotta understand something though, guys. I was, I was ready. I had been practicing. I had been playing. I got my golf game in shape. 
and I stand there on the first tee and I put the ball on the ground and I'm standing there. You have to understand something. There's galleries, there's people everywhere. It's the best players in the world. TV cameras and people watching. And I was ready, but I stood on that first tee and I was so nervous. I ain't gonna lie, man. My knees were shaking like this. It's hard to hit a golf ball when your knees are shaking, man. But that's what was happening. So I'm standing there and I'm getting ready to hit the ball and I'm shaking. I'm like, God, just don't let me miss it. Don't let me wolf it, God. Please, just let me, please let me hit the ball. So I'm standing there and I'm shaking and I swing. And when I hit the ball, can I tell you, I hit it so bad. I hit the ball so far left. It actually almost was right. You know what I mean? If you play golf, you know what I'm talking about. I hit that so bad, right? Uh, he hit it all the way out of bounds. I had to play another ball. Ended up making a double bogey on the first hole. That's a terrible score, right? Here, here's the point. I planned, I practiced, and I prepared for that day. I gave it the best chance I had, and it still wasn't good enough. Now, spiritually, I think there are people, one of the campuses, one of these churches, really around the world, I think people that are Christians are trying so hard spiritually speaking, to hit the ball down the fairway of life and you just keep hooking the ball out of bounds. And maybe you're worn out today. Maybe you're just like, you know what? I just guess that it's never gonna happen. I'm never gonna be free of this. I guess I'm never gonna accomplish any of this. I guess this is just the way my life is going to be. And let me tell you something, Seacoast. It's not trying harder in the kingdom of God. It's about surrendering more to the Holy Spirit. And when you do, he's the one that gives you the power and the ability to live your legacy in Jesus' name. Amen? That's the way that you can live your legacy. You cannot do it on your own. It is the Holy Spirit that accomplishes that in your life. You know, I never forget not long ago, my, my kids are, are much older now, but it wasn't long ago, Amy and I were cleaning out the garage and we were getting rid of their bicycles, right? And, uh, and I remembered, I was reliving the story of when I taught them all how to ride their bike without their training wheels. I mean, that's a tough day for a parent, right? Because they get on the bike and they're not ready, man. And they're wobbling all over the place and I'm running up and down the driveway and running up and down the street and holding on to the bike and they're terrible at it, right? But I just keep holding on until they get their balance right. And then eventually they get their balance and I kind of let go for a little bit, right? I don't tell them, you know. And they're pedaling and they're going and I'm running right there with them. And then finally I'm like, man, you got this. And then they just keep going. You know what? I taught all my kids how to ride their bikes without training wheels. And not one of them fell. And no bumps, no bruises, no scratches, no injuries. Why? Because they depended on their father. Something they were weak and not good at when they trusted me, when they relied on me, well, they accomplished it. And it is the same thing with you and I. You might be weak in something, but if you learn how to surrender to the Holy Spirit, I promise you, he'll help you. He'll hold on to you. He'll help you hit the ball down the middle of the fairway. Don't try harder, Seacoast. Surrender more to the Holy Spirit and let him accomplish and help you live your legacy in Jesus' name. So we have to have a recognizable relationship with Christ. You gotta sync yourself up with God. That's, that's having a recognizable relationship with him. You gotta go all in, right? And don't try harder, surrender more, and then be obedient to God. So after that, after you are filled with the Holy Spirit, surrender to the Holy Spirit, then you can go live your legacy and be obedient to what God is asking you to do. Okay, back in Acts chapter four. So they 
Remember the people that people are that Peter and John are standing before, right? They called them in again. And what did they do? They commanded them, look, do not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Would you, in your notes there, would you circle that word obey? Because that, that's really the key to these verses right here. And it's the word obey. Now this word obey means to hear and to respond. Isn't it true that we oftentimes, we may hear God telling us to do something, but the hard part is actually in their obedience? Come on, how many of you can be honest with that, right? We hear from God. We know the things that God wants to do in our life. We know the things that he wants us to be obedient in, but we sometimes we don't obey those things. We hear them, but we often don't accomplish them. How many times have you been at a church service and you've heard a word, maybe the pastor was preaching, or maybe you were reading a book or in your own personal devotion time, right? And God gives you a word and you, you write that down and you're like, yeah, it's time for me to, I, I, it's time to start serving in my church. You know what? It's time to be obedient. I'm going to start honoring God with my finances and giving him the first 10%. And you know it's from God. You write it down. It's time for me to forgive that person. I know what they did was wrong and they shouldn't have done that. But it's time. It's time to let that go. And you get that word, right? And you write it down. And when you get up and you leave church, you start reasoning it away. Well, I don't, I don't know, God. Maybe later on after this deal closes and my finances, then I, can, then I can put you first. And I'm busy right now and I can't serve in church. And I'm not going to forgive that person. I'm not right now because they keep acting the same way. And we reason away not being obedient to what God has asked us to do. You know, we, we know different than our kids, right? I know it's true in my house. I tell my kids something, hey, go clean your room. They don't hear that. They just kind of like, hear you clean the room. What? He talking to me? Right? They act like I'm speaking some other language or something like that. Now, if I tell them it's dinner time, I mean, you know, they're there right before I finish saying dinner. They're at the table like, man, come on, let's eat, bro. They love to eat. But I tell them to clean their room. They don't, you talking to me? Well, do you have a room? Uh-huh. Is it dirty? Uh-huh. Well, go clean your room then, man. Okay. Right? They reason it away. We do the same thing. That's not for me, God. That must have been for someone else. Look, and we do that with God. We hear, but we don't respond. And then we wonder why we don't see the power of God operating in our own lives. We wonder why we keep failing and falling short of living our own spiritual legacy. And it has a lot to do with the fact that we're not being obedient to what God is asking us to do. Church, Seacoast, listen to me. What if God met our needs at the same speed with which we were obedient to him. We wonder why God, what, God, what you waiting on? Maybe he's waiting on you. Maybe it's time for you to be obedient. Maybe it's time for you to say, all right, God, I'm gonna be obedient. Even though it doesn't make sense, I'm gonna do it anyway. In fact, that's really when you need to do it the most is when it doesn't make sense. Look, faith never follows logic. If it did, it wouldn't be faith. It would make sense. You'd go, oh, well, that's why I should do this. 
And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So especially when you get a word from God and you write it down and you, when you know it's from God and you go, well, that doesn't make sense. All the more to be obedient to God because it's in those moments is where your faith is really tested. And the scripture says, look at this last verse in your notes in 1 John. It says, this is the victory that has overcome the world. You wanna know how to, overcome, how to overcome the world? You know how to live your legacy? What is these last two words? This is the victory. It is our faith, Seacoast. It's your faith and being obedient to God when you think he's lost his mind. Saying, God, I trust you anyway. When I was growing up, my dad, uh, he had dreams about my brother Rick and I. He had nightmares. In fact, they weren't dreams, they were nightmares. And over and over and over again, dad kept having this nightmare. And the nightmare was that Rick and I would come in the room in the middle of the night, both our arms were cut off and we were just bleeding and screaming and he'd wake up, you know, in a frantic mode. Happened over and over again. This one time he was traveling, he was out of state. We lived in Louisiana at the time. He was in Atlanta, Georgia in a hotel room. And he has the same dream again. And he wakes up in his hotel room and he's, you know, he's sweating, his heart is pounding and he doesn't know what to do. He's just, he's just completely tormented by these dreams. He drops on his knees beside the hotel bed there and he says, God, I'm not getting up until you deliver me from these dreams. And my dad says he doesn't know if he was on the floor for 10 minutes or for 10 hours. He just knew he wasn't getting up until he was delivered of that. And God dropped something in his heart at that time. And it was, Richard, don't worry about your boys. I got a plan and a purpose for them. They're gonna be okay. And it left. And he never had the dream again. Now, I, I became an addict and I overdosed on drugs and I had, a, I had a terrible life. There were a lot of things that came against that. But dad remembered that moment. He said, I remember when you gave me that word. And my faith is God in you. And I'm gonna be obedient to trust that even when it doesn't make sense. And my brother and I turned out fine. I mean, I'm a lot better than him. You know, you guys, you guys probably know Rick. I'm sure he's been to preach there. But he, he pastors in Arkansas. I pastor here in Florida. God's word was true even when it didn't make sense. So here's my question for you, Seacoast. What has you crumbled on your knees and ready to give up? And maybe for you, what you think is, I'm never gonna live my spiritual legacy. There's no way this is ever gonna happen. And I'm here to tell you that if you will sync your life up with God, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to equip you and furnish you, and then you will be obedient even when it doesn't make sense, then your legacy, you'll live it. You'll stand with great boldness. And you might have things come against you like my father, but you'll remember moments where you said, no, God, this is a mark in the sand. I'm living my life this way now, and I will live that spiritual legacy. Today is the day that could all change. Would you do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I thank you so much for those that are hearing this message today. God, you and you alone know the difficulties that they're facing, the things that they're facing in this world that people can see, and God, the difficulties in their own heart, the whispers of the devil and of the enemy that tell them they will never overcome things, they will never be different, they will never live their legacy. In Jesus' name, I break those things. I pray that today we would go all in 
Holy Spirit, empower us, and we will live with faith and be obedient until we live our legacy. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen.